thing Turn, turn, turn There is a season Turn, turn, turn And a time to every purpose Under heaven A time to be born A time to die A time to plant A time to reap A time to kill A time to heal A time to laugh a time to weep To everything Turn, turn, turn There is a season Turn, turn, turn And a time for every purpose Under heaven We're back, and I'm sad to note we only have about 15 minutes left on today's program. I don't know how we're going to tell all these tales of going down to the Caribbean. For his part, Mr. Millen has volunteered to postpone his discussion of this. In lieu of that, we will instead talk about an obituary that we need to spend a little more than average time on, uh, noting the passing of folk music great Pete Seeger. And to help us commemorate this memorable figure in American music, and I guess world music, is the host of the Saturday morning folk show, Robin Fox. Welcome back to Radio Parallax, Robin. Thank you, Dick. Now, I would, is, is it fair to say that Pete Seeger is actually one of your heroes? That would be fair to say, yes. And why would you put that label on him as opposed to just being a, another musician? Well, besides being a musician for 70 years, 70 plus years, up until the last couple of weeks of his life, he was active and very active. He stood up to the House Committee on Un-American Activities, and won. They oh. convicted him, yes, but he he resisted them. He and didn't his, serve time, did he? I mean, he they, did not serve time. Okay. But where other people claim their rights under the Fifth Amendment, which was the, the right not to self-incriminate, he claimed his rights under the First Amendment, that nobody has the right to ask anybody those questions that they asked, and that under the First Amendment, the committee itself was illegal. Hmm. And I guess that he was uh, he got in trouble back in the McCarthy era because yes. of his affiliations with the Communist Party back in, I guess, the 40s. The 30s. Okay. The 30s, yes. Uh, when he was part of the Almanac Singers in World War II, they got blacklisted, even though they were singing patriotic songs at that point. And then the Weavers, who had hit parade hits, with, like on that. top of Old Smokey. Yeah, and, 1950 or so, right. they, they were quite a smash hit, and I guess that sort of, it, the McCarthy thing came right in the middle of that. Yes, and their bookings dried up like nobody's business, and they were just left without work, completely left without work, and they lost their bookings, they lost their livelihoods in many ways. Pete went out on his own and he sang, and he couldn't get standard concert bookings, and he sang in schools. And he sang in the Unitarian churches, and he sang everywhere. This is kind but, of the music equivalent of the blacklist that was experienced by a lot of Hollywood figures that, that were mixed up in the left in the 30s. Oh, yes, absolutely. Any performer. Um, shows that were sponsored by um, companies, and most radio and television shows, had a single corporate sponsor, and the FBI would send them a letter and said, we're investigating these people. And boom, those they couldn't get on. Well, I remember, Robin, uh, I guess it was sometime in the late 60s when, I don't know what show it was, but Pete Seeger was all of a sudden back on national television. 
might have been the Smothers Brothers, I'm not sure, and it was kind of a, a big deal, like, hey, here's, here's Pete Seeger. It was. Um, in the early 60s, there was a show called Hootenanny, and I can't yes. remember which network it was on, <laughs> if it was ABC or CBS, uh-huh. and they wouldn't allow Pete Seeger on. Uh-huh. And other musicians, such as Joan Baez, and I can't remember the others, refused to appear on Hootenanny because they wouldn't allow Pete. And uh-huh. he intervened and said, no, go ahead and be on the show. It's the music that's important. I guess we owe a debt of thanks here to uh, the Smothers Brothers, Tom and Dick Smothers, for, for bringing Pete Seeger back. They did. They brought him back. And at that point, he had a, a song in airplay called Waist Deep in the Big Muddy. It was about the constant pursuing of a futile action i.e. vietnam i.e. vietnam and the story was an army troop that was trying to cross a muddy river and everybody was drowning and the officer the commander just said keep on going well cbs wouldn't broadcast the song he performed it for the audience they wouldn't broadcast it well by then the song was on the radio Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a moot point, and there was, again, a hue and cry, and CBS wound up looking like idiots. And when they reran the episode, they aired the song. And shortly thereafter, the Smothers Brothers show was canceled. Well, uh, he certainly was a, a political figure that transcended music, but let's talk a little bit about his music itself, which has been, I guess, quite influential in, in the folk field. I'm oh, yes. holding up a, uh, I have a CD in my left hand right now, uh, which, which is, does not include... Maybe his most uh, famous hit. I, I guess this is his most famous hit, If I Had a Hammer. Yes, probably best known. He and Lee Hayes, who was one of the other members of the Weavers, they wrote that song together. Lee Hayes wrote the words. Pete wrote the music. And it goes back to the early 50s and was the first song in Sing Out magazine, and I believe it was on the cover of the very first issue of Sing Out magazine, which Pete founded, Mm. and continued to write for until about 10 or 15 years ago. It wasn't his hit per se. It was a hit, monster hit in the 60s for Peter, Paul, and Mary. That's correct. It wasn't a huge hit because he didn't have radio airplay. Oh, right. He was blacklisted, but people were performing his songs. And a singer by the name of Trini Lopez took the hammer song and did a faster arrangement very upbeat version of very it. upbeat version and then peter paul and mary took that and turned it into a huge hit and by the way i do want to just put in a plug for trini lopez who's a guy whose name probably a lot of people never heard of cut quite a figure back in the 60s and i guess did do a lot of arranging that was influential And I think he worked with Peter, Paul, and Mary a lot. They might have had the same manager because his Ah. song Lemon Tree was another one of their hits. Oh, well, Robin, thanks for that little tidbit. I'm a fount of them. Well, looking at at the CD that that I have in my hand, it does not include that one, but it has a a wonderful song that I I hope our readers are familiar with, Little Boxes, which is just a wonderful uh, satire, I think, of urban sprawl dating back to the, what, 50s or 60s. Dating back to the 50s. He didn't write that. Malvina Reynolds, who was a singer out of Berkeley, wrote that. And I believe she wrote it after seeing the houses um, in Daly City. Uh Uh-huh. That was her commentary on urban sprawl in Daly City. And the people, one of the verses talks about the people in the boxes all go to the university, and that was absolutely a commentary on people going to schools like Berkeley and conforming. He also apparently wrote Turn, 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 which our listeners may be more familiar with as a big hit for um, the The birds. birds. 
Yes, and he took the text from Ecclesiastes, and that did become a big hit for the birds. Now, I understand that uh, We Shall Overcome, which is virtually an anthem of the civil rights movement, was an old spiritual that, that, that Seeger came out, kind of kind of kind of jump-started again. Yes, yes. He adapted it a little, changed one or two words, that was it. It was adapted for the civil rights movement. Uh, a lot of people credit Seeger. I'll go along with it. I don't know enough. Um, but it was being sung, I think, even before he was involved. But he led the singing and and got it out there because the civil rights movement had a lot of base in the churches and using the gospel music. Well, I, I guess on a more personal level, uh, yeah. Pete Seeger actually uh, reached out and, and, and touched you when he came to Freeborn <laughs> Hall back in the 1970s. Yeah, and you've, yeah. you said it was uh, directly what led to your interest in, in, in folk music. Yes, yes. Uh, he played Freeborn Hall in the fall of 78, and I was a green as grass, very ignorant freshman at UC Davis. I didn't know who he was. I knew some of his songs. When he was on the Smothers Brothers and those TV shows, I was a little too young to appreciate a lot of it. But he came to Freeborn Hall, and the tickets were dirt cheap for students. And so I said, yeah, sure, why not? And it was my first big concert, and I had never seen anything like that. Didn't know it could happen. There were 2,000 people in the audience, and he had a singing and singing in harmonies and in rounds and canon, and it was a wonderful night. And, and it was just him up on the stage? Just him. Him all by himself. He mm. walked out with his banjo. There was a guitar out there, and he had a little mm. recorder, because I, I do actually remember some of the, the pieces he played. Mm. From that concert tour, a recording was made, which KDVS has in its library, but uh, one of my memories was that he introduced a song he'd only learned very recently, and it became a hit for John Denver. It's Which was? The Garden Song, oh. Inch by Inch, Row by Row. And it was written by a, a songwriter from Maine. To have that experience of him saying, well, this is a new song, and he had us all singing along on the chorus, of course, because yeah. that's what Pete did. Okay. Concerts were interactive events. Well, Robin, thanks for educating us about a, a really quite a singular figure on the American music scene. I guess in, in parting, I just want to plug, uh, I guess, my favorite song, which he did not do, Guantanamera, off the sob my have. He does a great, great version of it. Yes. Uh, and he did it with the Weavers. I believe it was one of their hits, too. It's a great song. Robin Fox, the alternating host of the Saturday Morning Folk Show here on KDVS. We put in a call to uh, Bill Wagman, and he says he will... Uh, have a thing or two to say about Pete, but we don't have any time. We'll have to put that off on next week's show, which is which is which is okay. Robin, thanks again. It was my pleasure, Doug. Thank you. All right, we've got about four minutes left. Let's uh, let's talk about what we're going to do in the next couple weeks. Uh, one of which will be to talk to our good pals over at the California Aggie. UC Davis's student newspaper has been quite an institution. It's been around for something like ninety nine years, but. Uh, but due to rising costs, it is threatened at the moment, and one solution appears to be to ask the student body to uh, to agree to be billed $9 annually, which will generate about $300,000 to support the newspaper. I'm taking these data from a piece by Janelle Bitker writing in the Sacramento News and Review. We certainly need to sound off on this topic, and we'll hopefully travel down the hall here in Freeborn Hall in the next week to talk to uh, to the good people working at the California Aggie. We also meant to do a look forward uh, in, for the year 2014, being that it's uh, January, which is something we haven't gotten around to. It looks like we may not. But I do want to note for the record that 2014 is, 
the International Year of Crystallography. It's also the International Year of Family Farming and, and Small Island Developing States. I do want to talk about some of the political chicanery that's taking place as regards throwing out the petitions to put the issue of Sacramento's downtown arena on the ballot. That's now before a judge. We'll see what happens there. It cracks me up that some of the news coverage keeps talking about how, how much money was spent to try and put this in the ballot. Well, how much money is being spent to keep it off the ballot? That's what I'd like to know. And the idea that, uh, you know, this should be kept away from the voters being able to say yay or nay to what their, their tax dollars will be used for, in this case, backing up a loan for this giant arena project. Well, all I can say is no one should go looking down their nose at, the, at places like the Dominican Republic and Honduras. How much better do we appear to be? A couple of final science notes. It looks as though astronomers looking out at Europa have noticed that the, this icy moon of Jupiter is spraying out uh, a water vapor, much like Enceladus at Saturn, meaning that, uh, well, there may be a lot more activity on these worlds than previously appreciated. And uh, the same was recently noted on the dwarf planet Ceres. Luckily for us, we have a spacecraft heading out to Ceres. It should arrive next year to give us a close-up look as to what's going on there. They think that there is probably a, a, a lot of ice and maybe even an ocean on Ceres, too. Fascinating stuff. And finally, congratulations to the European Space Agency for reviving their Rosetta spacecraft. It had been put into basically deep slumber state for the past two years, but it woke up this week giving people the hope that it will be able to complete its mission to visit the comet. Churi, Churi Umav Jarasimenko, I hope they got that right. This uh, spacecraft has a little lander attached to it, which we will hope to uh, place down on the surface of the comet and ride it as it comes down toward the sun. This comet will not self-destruct like ISON did this year because it's not going to get any closer to the sun than Earth's orbit, but Pretty cool stuff. These are exciting times to be alive. And unfortunately for us, we are out of time. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm your host, Douglas Everett, and I look forward to speaking with you again real soon. As in a week from now, in the same station at the same time. We will see you then. Well, may the world go, the world go, the world go. Well, may the world go. The skiers turn, the swimmers learn, the lovers burn. Peace, may the generals learn when I'm far away. Well, may the world go, the world go, the world go. Well, may the world go when I'm far away. Sweet, may the fiddle sound, the banjo play, the old hold down. Dancers swing round and round when I'm far away. Well, May the breezes blow clear, may the streams flow, blue above and green below when I'm far away. Well, may 